This podcast includes information provided by the issuer and does not express the views of the interviewer. This podcast may also include forward-looking statements by the issuer that involve certain risks and uncertainties to its business. Because forward-looking statements are subject to risks and uncertainties, the issuer's actual results could differ from those indicated in this podcast. Welcome to the Planet Microcap Podcast. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you all so much for the support and for tuning in. You can follow Planet Microcap on Twitter at Bobby K. Kraft. That's B-O-B-B-Y-K-K-R-A-F-T. You're listening to episode 102. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to tweet at me or shoot me an email at rcraft at snnwire.com. And when you do get a chance, if you like what you hear, please rate and review Planet Microcap on iTunes. It really helps provide feedback for me and spread the microcap message. For this episode of the Planet Microcap podcast, I'm sharing with you an interview I did with Dan Shum, editor of NoNameStocks.com. We recorded and I shared our chat on our YouTube channel back in mid-October, and I have a couple reasons why I wanted to share the interview on here. You know, one, I, I really enjoyed my conversation with Dan and learning about his investing thesis, particularly how he's been successful investing in dark stocks. To uh, the article he wrote, which inspired the title of our interview, and I quote, SEC wants to stop trading in dark stocks, end quote, is still a very active conversation going on where you can share your comments with the SEC. And three, I have a very special episode that I'll be sharing with you next week with Cromwell Colson, CEO of OTC Markets Group, where we'll actually address some of the issues Dan and I discuss on here, as well as some, men, uh, some other hot topic questions I know most of you would like to ask him yourselves. So thank you again for tuning in to episode 102 of the Planet Microcap podcast, and please enjoy my interview with Dan Shum. But first, a word from our sponsor. To my loyal listeners, subscribers, and fans, Robert Kraft here, your host on the Planet Microcap podcast. The 2020 investor conference season is upon us. Where are you going this year? I'd like to take a second to invite you to join me, maybe a few of the guests you've heard on this podcast, to our annual Microcap Investor Conference, the Planet Microcap Showcase, April 21st through 23rd, 2020 at Bally's Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. The Planet Microcap Showcase will be two and a half days of company presentations, networking opportunities, an educational workshop, and you will get to meet privately in one-on-one meetings with management of well-known emerging growth private and publicly traded microcap companies. We are back with new surprises and programming that you will not want to miss. So join us for the Planet Microcap Showcase, April 21 through 23, 2020 at Bally's Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. For more information and register to attend, please visit www.planetmicrocapshowcase.com. See you in Vegas. This is Robert Kraft, and I'm your host on SNN Network. And with me today is a very special guest, Mr. Dan Shum from No Name Stocks Blog. Dan, welcome to this Wall Street View. Thanks for having me on. It's great to have you, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time today on this uh, early morning Saturday. So, uh, you know, I, I do appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let, let's start with a quick background here. You know, what, what has been your journey to, to where you're at today? Uh, right on. So um, my name is Dan Shum, and I'm 39. I got uh, a wife and three kids. I live in California, and I'm an engineer uh, during the day, so I'm not, my job doesn't involve anything financial related. 
Um, but then I, uh, I I started getting into stocks around 2013, and um, it was because I was I was working for a startup, and I the the startup went under, and then we had to move. So I was living in LA, and then the startup went under, and we ended up moving to San Diego, which you know worst things could have happened. Um, but it just got me thinking about how dependent my my family is on my income. So like since kid number two, my wife stopped working. And she stays home with the kids, so it's all on my salary. And I just started looking at, you know, well, maybe there's something I can do to, like, diversify away from just my salary. I didn't know anything about stocks. I didn't know about um, anything investing related. I had a 401k that was just kind of, like, sitting with some mutual funds and um, nothing beyond that. And so I just kind of started reading books. And I read through, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad and some Jim Cramer. <laughs> You know, all the classics. And uh, I, I eventually found this guy, Warren Buffett, who I had, didn't really know. And then I started reading his stuff. And I started thinking, well, okay, maybe the stock market is a place I could go. You know, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that guy talks about starting a franchise and a business and all this. And I was just, I don't know, that's not for me. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, he's kind of different anyways. But then uh, I eventually found Jay Jun's site, um, Old School Value, and it really started to click. And I just thought, wow, this guy's great. Like, he'd like, it really makes sense. And um, so then I started buying stocks, like, in, uh, I don't know, 2014, 2013, something like that. And after a year or two, um, I got to know like one stock and someone asked me some questions about it in like a forum online. And I used to go on Jay Jun's, he had like a forum on his website and I posted a right up there and it went well and it like made me really know the stock better. So, so then I ended up writing another one, uh, six months later on seeking alpha and that too, like got some good feedback and it really made me know the stock better. And so it, Eventually, I went, kept going down that path, and I had another stock I wanted to write about, and I didn't want to do Seeking Alpha again because I don't like how they hide things on their paywall. And so I thought, okay, I'll start a blog. And so I started nonamestocks.com, and I figured I'd have enough to write a few posts a year, and maybe, and then it just kind of snowballed. And so um, I get to write a lot more often than I thought I would, um, but... Here we are. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> Very cool. You know, so uh, I, I love the journey down the rabbit hole, you know, uh, and, and so uh, <laughs> start with Rich Dad, Poor Dad and, and, and Kramer and yes. <laughs> get it's all over, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's probably the first thing you can Google for like investing stuff. But anyways. Um, you know, also briefly here as, as we'll be talking at length about this in an upcoming uh, episode of the podcast, you know, what, what would you say is your investing style? Um, yeah, so I, I own a lot of stocks. I own like 50 or 60 stocks. Um, I'm pretty much fully invested all the time. Like all I own is stocks. I don't have any bonds or anything. I don't do, um, I don't diversify that way. It's all, it's all within these stocks. And I, I focus really on small, small illiquid stuff. Mm -hmm. And so most of the companies I own market cap is 5 million or less, I would say. Yeah. And probably a quarter of them are deregistered from the SEC. And I own a few that are maybe 50 million or more, I guess, just because they've grown. And um, yeah, I, I look for something that other people aren't going to look at mostly. 
And it's really when I started out, I was owning Apple and Microsoft and these. And then you start to read these comments and articles on Seeking Alpha and other places. And it's just like, how can I compete? Like, I don't I don't have the time. I don't have the background. You know, the, it's in the end, it's a competition with everyone else. And I, I don't. So I'm going where other people are not going. Got it. Well, you know, I, and again, we're going to be talking about this more at length in our in our podcast interview that we're going to be doing very soon, because I want to know more about your strategy. Uh, but but for de- for today, the, the main reason that we have you on here is to discuss your recent blog post that you put out called uh, SEC wants to stop trading in dark stocks. And uh, and, and now they, they have a, a rule change proposal out there. You know, so so can you describe what the SEC wants to do here and why? Yes. Yeah, this is very important, I think. Um, so the SEC maybe their heart is in the right place. What they're trying to do is, is stock, stop these like pump and dumps and, and schemes that happen with these shell companies that, that aren't real. And so they, they have a rule actually out there that, um, that a broker dealer, so a brokerage, you know, fidelity or whatever, they're not allowed to quote a stock if there's not like current financials, Mm -hmm. um, which is, but then there's some exceptions to the rule, and that's how all these brokers get around it right now. Um, so the the problem is like the the SEC are the ones who let these companies deregister. So they, I guess maybe the the a dark stock is like something the the company has deregistered from the SEC. So some company goes public, and they're filing eight Ks and ten Qs and ten Ks, and then they decide they want to deregister. So they put in a form fifteen and they deregister from the SEC, and they're no longer required to um, file any reports in the public eye. And then what the SEC is trying to do is um, they, they want to make they want to make all these companies file public reports or make them available to people so that people can evaluate these stocks when they buy them. And so that's a good thing. But the way they're going about it is they're trying to modify this rule they have to give it more teeth and eliminate some loopholes. But they are what they're proposing to do is that no, none of these broker dealers are allowed to quote a stock, right? If there's not current financials. But the problem with that is a lot of these companies, they, they put out financials, but not in the traditional sense. And so they might, they might like mail a copy only to shareholders, like a paper copy. I own some stocks that I, I get a paper copy in the mail and that's it. They won't put anything electronic up. Some of these dark companies, they'll only, give you uh, information, like if you ask them, you have to bug them. Um, but the SEC and the SEC is going to, um, what this rule will end up doing is, is just stopping the trading because like nobody, nobody is going to go search and find out which of these companies actually do produce financials. They're going to just try to, um, they want the companies to like file them with OTC markets or file them with the SEC, but these companies are not interested in that. Mm-hmm. So let's take a step back here because, you know, one question I have that I know maybe some of my audience might be asking themselves is, and you answered this briefly, is what exactly is a dark stock? Because if the SE, if, if when a company files uh, a form 15 to deregister with the SEC, I think most people would think, all right, well, doesn't that just make them a private company now? So can you explain what what exactly it is so that we can go from there? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. So so 
when the company files the form 15 to deregister the the stock ticker is still there the company still exists they're not really private some of them try to act like they are but they're not they the if you own stock and one i one i own that recently deregisters dynasil dysl so they the stock still trades it's just not going to be on nasdaq anymore it's going to be on one of the otc um tiers and the company deregisters that means they're no longer required to file on the sec website any reports they're no longer actually required to file reports anywhere they'll they're they're required then at that point only to obey their state laws of wherever they're incorporated which for a lot of these it's delaware and the the state law in delaware at least and um, a lot of other states i've looked at is they still have to provide financials to any shareholder that asks for them mm. So if you own stock in this company and you call them up, then they would have to say, okay, yes, I'll send you last year's annual or the last two years or something. And they have to have an annual meeting to like vote for directors. But beyond that, there's no regulations, no rules on what they have to do. But the stock is still there. So the stock can still be traded. Mm -hmm. And what happens is a lot of people, they don't want to trade these stocks or they can't. Maybe there's, if they're a firm or something, they might have some regulations that they're not allowed to. And so they'll sell it. A lot of these dark stocks are owned by people like me, mm -hmm. just retail investors. And there's a wide array of what they do um, once they deregister. So some of them just disappear and they don't ever talk again. And they just are basically daring someone to sue them. And some of them still provide financials like on their own website. So I own some um, Dewey, D-E-W-Y. They like on their own website, they'll put a link to a financial report. Some of them still file with OTC markets. A lot of them do, which is nice. Um, some of them just mail out a paper copy. Some, some of them send out a shareholder letter that just has a few lines of financials, just like our revenue last year was this much and it was up by 20%. Mm -hmm. And they won't even give like a full balance sheet or anything, but they'll are, give some information. Are they audited financials, these, these dark companies, or is it just unaudited? There's no regulation. That's the thing. Like they're, once they deregister from the SEC, like there's no one requiring them to do an audit. So a lot of them do. For their own like i don't know if they have some other entity making them do it but a lot of them do it some of them don't just to save money because you have to remember like a lot of these companies they're tiny mm -hmm. and 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 they might they a lot of them have no earnings right and they might only have 10 employees and the guy who's doing the financials is also doing hr and he's also doing payroll you know and so like um so if they can save some money by not doing an audit they just might do that some of them they just send out and there'll be a disclaimer like these are unaudited these are our own financials got it wait and real quick dan and just to to reiterate because i think you mentioned this earlier but um are you a current shareholder in either dysl dinosaur or dewey yes yeah i am yeah. okay in both yeah both got it all right so so now that we have this idea of what a, a dark stock is and why the sec is is trying to to stop to halt trading basically in these dark stocks, you know, you, you then once they, they came out with this, I, I think it was, I'm trying to get the, 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 uh, the sequence of events correctly yeah. is that, uh, you know, after they had this round table discussion about potentially halting trading in dark stocks, just altogether, you then submitted a comment very soon after, uh, to the sec that, uh, discussed this idea, uh, and, and, basically saying your opposition to it, you know? So, so what, what did you say here? And, and in your opinion, why would this rule hurt 
not just retail investors, but all investors. Right. So they, this rule has actually been in place. Like they have this rule that's been in place. Um, I don't know for how long, for decades. And it's, it requires these companies, you know, it requires the brokers only quote if there's current financials, which first of all, that doesn't make sense because the SEC already allowed them to deregister. Um, but the, the new rule proposal they're trying to right now, there's some, some loopholes with the old proposal where like, if someone else is quoting it, you're allowed to quote it. Right. So it's this circular reference. So like, oh, yeah, Schwab's quoting it. Fidelity's like, I'm going to quote it. And then they can go back and forth. Um, so the SEC is trying to eliminate that. And at the heart of it, the SEC is trying to do away with these companies that don't really exist. They want to eliminate the fraud. But the problem is they're just going to throw away, um, you know, throw away the baby with the bathwater here. Like there's a lot of good companies that are real, that are that have real investors with you know, people have been invested for a long time with some of these companies. It's just a lot of these companies, they're like family owned. They have the same CEO that's been there for 30 years, whatever. And um, so what I told the SEC is, is that you're going to hurt a lot of shareholders. If you do this, you follow through. The SEC thinks that they're going to incentivize the companies to make their reports public and put them on OTC markets or something like that. I don't think that's going to happen. These companies don't care. You know, they're like, they've deregistered to save money. And in their mind, that's it. They're done. Right. Like there's no regulation. And a lot of them, they don't care what the stock price is. You know, some of them, they're like 60, 80% owned by whatever the controlling family. They don't care what the stock price is because they're never going to sell it. And in their mind, they've, they're obeying state law because they mail you a paper copy of the annual report. And beyond that, they don't care. So, and then some of them, they deregister because they just they don't want to communicate anymore. They want to be private. Right. They, but they can't fully because they still have these minor minority shareholders, but they don't care about them because they already deregistered. Mm -hmm. And th so this proposal from the SEC is not going to influence those companies. They're just going to welcome it. Oh, good. You know, they don't care if there's no trading. Um, and what's going to happen is probably just more brokerages. There's already a problem that a lot of brokerages won't allow you to trade these stocks. Yeah. So I had an account with Fidelity and they just one day blocked me from buying these stocks anymore because of these regulations. And I had an account at Options House and they just kicked me out. They sent me a letter like you have 30 days to get your account out. And. I, yeah, exactly. I mean, well, here's here's the thinking, because I, it's still it's still interesting because um on one hand, you you get what the SEC is trying to do, right? They want to do away with fraud. Uh, sorry, with fraud, and 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 they have the best intentions in mind. It sounds like, you know, and also they probably are thinking just holistically, like, why would a retail investor or any investor, for that matter, invest in a company that's uh, files so infrequently and and doesn't make public their their financials on a more quarterly or some kind of annual semi annual basis. You know, so maybe for you, you know, what, what would you say is the other than the fact that maybe some of these companies are good businesses, you know, what's the ultimate payout if, if the if the liquidity is so few and far between? The I mean, the reason I go for these companies and the reason other people like me is because there's more opportunity. There's less efficiency because there's fewer people looking at it. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, if you're trying to trade. Tesla or I don't know, Microsoft or something like you're going up against a million other people mm -hmm. in these big firms, right? If I'm, if I'm trying to trade 
like one we mentioned earlier was Dewey. Nobody else is looking at that. You know, there's like a hundred other people looking at that and they're all like me, you know, so there's just, there's less competition and it's there if you're willing to work for it. Right. So there's, you can find some great deals, um, kind of hiding because they're not posting press releases, right? They don't put out a press release every quarter with their numbers. And so the stock price, you know, it's unfortunate for shareholders of that company because the stock price can drift down to nothing because nobody knows it exists. Um, you know, sometimes they'll post, well, yeah, you know, some of them, they won't, they won't post any results, anything anywhere. It's only that they'll send it if you like bug them, right. And you get them on the right day and then they'll finally send you a report. And so you can find some real deals like that, but it's, um, uh, it's, it's all about going where other people won't go. I mean, are most of these uh, potential investments takeout targets or, I mean, it, it sounds like most of these companies just don't really care about being public. So, yeah. you know, you can't, it, it's to me, I'm thinking to myself, well, okay, if I'm invested in this, this might be something that might be a takeout target in, you know, however many years, as opposed to it kind of climbing back up the ranks to, you know, being dark to a NASDAQ listed company again. Yeah. Well, those two things you mentioned, those are kind of the two big payouts that you can have. That or like somehow it just gets more eyeballs on it. Um, so I've owned some that did get taken out. Some of them, they get taken out by whoever owns them, like just ends up buying out all minority shareholders. Some of them, they'll just sell. And, you know, when they sell, true value is realized or something close to it. Right. And so um, there was one I owned, uh, Comtrax, C-O-M-X. I still own shares because I'm just there. I'm waiting for the final payout, whatever. But they... You know, I bought that one at a buck fifty, and they and I held it for a couple of years, and they ended up selling for like eight dollars. And it was one of those that you could only get if you contacted the company; they would send you the the report, whatever. If you're a shareholder, they'll send you the report. But they ended up selling to a competitor or some other company, and you can get a big payout. And then some of them, they will get new management. So one that has been a big uh, a big home run for me is Hemacare, H-E-M-A. I, I own shares. And they did exactly what you just said, where they've come back and, and they've started communicating more. And I don't know if they'll come back and file like and go to NASDAQ, but it does happen. Mm -hmm. So so then let's say this this proposal goes goes through, you know, and what do you, what would happen to shareholders uh, that are holding dark stocks in their portfolio? What what happens to those shares once the SEC basically says, OK, we're taking away all dark stocks and. That's it. Do you just they, own shares in a private company now? Yeah, they're not going to be able to trade them. I just think like this movement has been going this way for for years where there's just, you know, when I told you like uh, Fidelity stopped allowing me to trade right an options house, they, they said you got to move your account. I started looking at all these brokerages like, you know, what can I do? Where can I put my account? The one sitting at options house like, OK, I, I have to do something with this. And I ended up calling like 50 different brokerages, everyone I could think of. And I only found two that said they would take my account. And a lot of these brokerages would let you buy or sell if you already had an account, but they wouldn't let you move them. And then there's less and less that are letting you buy these stocks. And it's because of these regulations. And so a lot of these companies, they rely on this stop designation list from OTC markets. OTC markets maintains this stop designation list. And then if you go look on their website, they'll have like a stop sign or the skull and crossbones for these stocks that don't file with them. And the way they determine that is is just by 
whoever is filing with OTC Market. So they're not looking at whoever is publishing reports on their own website or mailing out a report. Um, and they maintain this list and the brokerages, OTC Markets sells that list to the brokerages. And then like Fidelity and Schwab and TD Ameritrade, whatever, they, they will blanket, just block out any stocks that OTC Markets has like a stop sign on. This is gonna continue more and more if this goes through. So if the SEC gives this regulation more bite and eliminates more loopholes, it's gonna continue more and more that there's less brokerages allowing you to trade it and you just won't be able to. You'll have these stocks, people are gonna have stocks in their accounts and they just can't, they can sell, but they can't, no one can buy. And so the stock price just is gonna go down and down to nothing. Got it. I, I mean, where, where can you go right now to actually, I mean, where do you have your accounts to actually do this type of trade? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a lot like I have my accounts with Schwab so Schwab is my favorite right now they'll let me buy anything they let me transfer accounts in um, E-Trade I know also right now they'll let you buy anything there's there's different levels and it kind of goes um, but it's moving in the wrong direction and this is just going to keep pushing it that way mm -hmm. and um, the, the real problem that I think oh, that the SEC is not addressing is that allowing these companies to deregister you have all these companies that deregister and they use this rule. There's this rule 12G that the SEC has where if you have less than 300 shareholders, you can deregister. And that's how they've ended up with all these companies that are that are dark and don't have to file anything. But the way the SEC counts this shareholders of record is any shares held in street name is only one share. Mm -hmm. So you and me and 10,000 of our friends could own shares through Fidelity, but it's counted only as one. So way more companies than you imagine could deregister right now because the SEC has this messed up definition shareholders record, which they made 50 years ago and they haven't updated. So they made this this definition when everyone had paper shares. And then now, I mean, I think probably 90 percent, I bet, of shares are held in street name. And Jason's wife uh, wrote an article a couple years ago on the Wall Street Journal talking about this this issue with the shareholders of record definition. And he said, um, what did he say here? The top, according to S&P Dow, Dow Jones indices, more than one fifth of the 1500 largest companies in the US have fewer than 300 official shareholders. Eight companies with market values of at least one billion each report having no more than 10 shareholders of record. So the reason everyone should care is because there are stocks in your portfolio that could deregister, no matter who you are. And then if this rule goes through, all of a sudden the stock price just stops trading. It just goes to nothing. So so clearly the the SEC, again, like I said earlier, they're they're trying to propose something that has the best intentions without updating older rules in order to really bring it into where we're at today. You know, so what would you, if, if this proposal isn't it, if this proposal isn't the answer to all of these problems that or problems that we're seeing, you know, what, what would you recommend as the solution here? They need to start with, with stopping companies from deregistering. They need to update their shareholders of record definition, number one. First of all, because like these companies are not private, but they act private because the SEC lets them. There could be thousands of shareholders and the SEC just throws their hands up in the air. And, oh, 
well, they only have 15 shareholders of record. Go ahead, deregister. And then these companies can do whatever they want. And so the SEC is attacking the back end of this problem that they created. And they're trying to pass off responsibility to brokerages and say like, oh, no, they're deregistered. So now, Fidelity, you have to maintain this list of of who's good and who's bad. And what's Fidelity going to do? They don't want to deal with it. So they're just going to not allow anyone to trade it. And um, so the other thing that SEC needs to do is give these companies something that doesn't cost as much as full SEC reporting. Because if you talk to any of these companies or if you read their filings when they say they're going to deregister, they estimate savings of half a million to a million dollars, some over a million dollars a year just by deregistering. And that's a huge deal to a company with a market cap of five million, right? I mean, it's like that's all, all their earnings. They have no earnings and they they see that they could be earning half a million dollars if they just stop filing with the SEC. And so, of course, they go down that route. I can understand it. But the SEC, like OTC Markets has these different tiers. And the SEC needs something like that. They need something to give these companies that only want to file an annual, not quarterlies, not form fours, not form all this stuff. Like give these companies, if they meet, if they get approval from their shareholders, give them another form of reporting that is less stringent but still provides what they're trying to do for the public, still provides financials every six months, which is what they define as their current in this proposal. And the other thing they should do is contact all these companies themselves. They're not, they're sitting back in their chair and just relying on whoever is filing like with OTC markets. They're not, they need to go out and they estimated in their thing, they have like an economic impact in their proposal and they estimate like $82 million dollars uh, cost to companies across the U.S. 3,200 companies they say are not filing, and they, the total cost could be 80, $82 million for all these companies to file every six months. And they think it's okay to to throw out that cost, and they can't go themselves and try to investigate which of these companies actually do produce financials and which are actually shells that don't exist. Mm -hmm. So the SEC needs to go and contact all these companies and find who's filing and make their own list of really these are the companies that 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 you should avoid and these are the real ones. Mm. So has the OTC markets commented on this proposal yet? Um, that's interesting you asked. No, this morning the CEO responded to my Twitter uh, post about my blog post. Um, so I'm sure it's coming. I mean, I'm sure they love it because like it makes most sense. All these companies that have deregistered now the central hub is OTC markets. And so I think they, they I'm sure, love seeing this proposal because it's going to mean more companies are going to try to go through them because they're the holders of the stop designation list. And if the SEC is not going to maintain which companies are good and bad in their eyes, it's going to fall down to OTC markets. Wait, so what, what, did, what did Cromwell say? He just said, like, you know, it's good to have opinions on both sides. So what can investors who also participate in, as you call it, the, this dark stock investing, what can they do if they also disagree with the SEC's proposal? So the SEC, the way they work is they put out these proposals. And if you look on their website, there's a lot of different ones. Like, I'm just talking about one. Um, but they ask for comments from the public for like 60 days. They have this comment period. And then I hope that they review them all and take them all into consideration. Who knows what they actually do. But right now, the period is open. That's why I wrote them a letter. That's why I put up a blog post. Um, that's why I'm, I'm, you know, 
shouting from the mountaintops trying to get others to also Ron here <laughs> yeah, we are. um but on my blog nonamestocks.com my latest blog post um there's links in there about how you can comment yeah. uh, you just have to send an email to sec rule something at whatever sec.gov but it, there's links in my blog post you just have to put the subject line with the name of the um, the rule, which again, it's in my blog post, how to do it. And you just tell them how you feel. You, you know, some people write in comments and just say, Hey, look, I have a lot of my net worth in these stocks. And if you go forward with this, you know, the stock price is going to go down to nothing and it's not going to trade and my, my retirement's retirement. going to be messed up. And so if you have an opinion, good or bad, whatever way the SEC wants to hear it. And so I call on everyone to tell them. So, you know, this is probably a question I should ask at the very beginning, but we're going to ask it now. So <laughs> maybe we can help educate those who think, you know, well, how can you evaluate a company that hasn't put out financials in six months or even a year? You know, uh, we're also indoctrined with the quarterly financials and getting it all uh, every every three or so months, you know, so and press releases and all that kind of stuff. You know, so how, for you, how, how do you evaluate a potential investment in a, a dark stock? Well, um yeah, it depends on the situation. First of all, a lot of them, they, they provide financials. I only own, I think, one stock or two that really they, I don't know anything about, but I still own them, I guess, because I'm a gambler. But uh, <laughs> most of them, they do provide financials. It's just like on an annual basis. So you get you get one annual and you just have to deal with not getting any more news the rest of the year. And to me, that fits my lifestyle more because I don't have time to be reading these things every day. Like I follow, I take the train to work and home. And that's like the time when I keep up with these companies and I'm able to keep up with my 50 companies because there's not that much information coming out about them, but they still put out financials. And I just like, some of them are not audited and people get scared about that. I guess I'm an optimist. I, I, I just think these companies are not trying to put it over on me because most of them, they're just these family run they're just saving money. They, they don't want to sell their shares. So they're just these people that have run the business forever and they're doing their best. And so um, you just try to evaluate the situation. Some of them, if you can't get financials, you can look at, you know, some like if they don't, they might lapse where they don't file anything or they don't send out a report for a couple of years. Like I said, just because they're tiny. There's one I owned. Uh, I still own shares, Moro Corp, MRCR. And the guy who put out the financials was this old guy who'd been CFO forever. You know, he's 70, 80 years old and he ran into health problems, mm. which is understandable. Right. And and so they didn't put out anything for a year. And you asked the CEO and he said, well, just that guy's out. And so we can't. And so you evaluate based on like, OK, I understand that the last report they had said these numbers and I'll just kind of go from there. Mm -hmm. But you have to find them. You know, some of them you're you're not going to find it on OTC markets. So then you have to contact the company. So I'll email companies, or you go on their website. You might find an investor section. So how do you find them right now? Uh, I'm uh, lucky in that now I got my blog and people send me ideas. And so I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't do screening. I have a pretty long list of stocks that people have said check this out or, you know, you follow different people on Twitter or on Seeking Alpha or wherever that, that look at similar things and they post ideas and I look into those. Gotcha. So, you know, what advice would you have for someone who maybe is 
just getting started that is followed the rabbit hole like you and are now looking at this, you know, this dark world of, uh, <laughs> of, <laughs> of these, you know, uh, deregistered, uh, companies, you know, what, what advice would you have for them? I would just say, I think it's the place to be. I mean, I think this is where there's the most opportunity. If you're handling smaller sums of money, because these are very illiquid, so you can't buy big positions. So that's another reason I own a lot of them. But um, the payout can be huge. You know, I have uh, I've had a number of, you know, stocks that went up 10x and or 5x or whatever. And the payout can be big because there's they're small and they can move quickly. Um, but you just have to yet to search for the information. You, you have, have to, to go, go find the information. So if it's not posted on OTC markets or on the SEC website, you have to go look for it. So if something looks interesting and it looks like it's a real business and you see the market cap is $100,000, you have to think like, oh, geez, maybe there really is something there. And you can you can contact the company. A lot of times they have an email address or whatever on their website. And you can just send them an email like, hey, can you send me the financials? And some of them will. And then you can find deals. And you use traditional valuation metrics. You know, you look at... I mean, PE if it's there, or, or uh, you know, yeah, I mean, the PE is usually not there. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but but they'll have uh, book value or revenue. Yeah, I mean, I look very quickly. Like, I don't look very in depth at these companies. I don't. Do I don't look at peer peer metrics. I don't look at their competitors. I pretty much look at the balance sheet, the income statement. You know, book value. Uh, what are their assets? Do they have cash or real estate? Um, what's the backlog? You know, what's the revenue look like? Earnings if they have it, right? But that's kind of <laughs> rare in these stocks. For sure. All right. So Dan, where where can my audience go and find more information about you and No Name Stocks blog? If you just Google No Name Stocks, one word, you'll find me. But it, it's all there on my blog. Um, you know, I have a bunch of posts. I have one page where I talk uh, where I've organized all my different posts on the these dark stocks and the SEC and brokerages. Um, right on the front page, you'll see my latest blog post about this SEC proposal we're talking about. I got a page on there that talks a little bit about me, and I I post the results of like you know how's my portfolio doing, how are the stocks doing that I've written about, so people can evaluate how full of it they think I am. <laughs> well, with that, Dan, th thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate you sharing your insights, and uh, I look forward to an update soon. Yeah, for sure. This has been fun. Thank you. Thank you all for tuning in to the Planet Microcap Podcast, and thank you, Dan, again for coming on to the program. You can access the podcast by going to stocknews.com under podcast, go to podbean.com and search Planet Microcap Podcast, or on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and Spotify and search Planet Microcap Podcast. Stay tuned for the next Planet Microcap Podcast, where we'll have our next guest to discuss all things microcap. If you have any questions or comments about the podcast, please send an email to info at snnwire.com. I'd love to hear from all of you. This podcast has been brought to you by SNN Incorporated, publishers of StockNewsNow.com, the official microcap news source, and the Microcap Review Magazine. I'm your host, Robert Kraft, and thank you again for joining me on the Planet Microcap Podcast. Have a great week, everyone.